through my words that your words may be heard, and being heard may be believed, and being believed may be lived.
what God has called clean, you must not call unclean. The vision that convinced Peter that God wanted to expand operations, that the way of love and justice the prophets had been teaching in Israel for centuries was absolutely still for the Jewish people, but no longer just for the people of Israel, was also for the Gentiles. Peter was able to understand that voice as the voice of God, in part because he was in the habit of listening for God's voice. And he knew something about what God's voice sounded like. This is maybe the thing that I notice most in common among people whose faith lives ask a lot of them, publicly leading them to risk the cross again and again. People like Gene Robinson or Desmond Tutu or Martin Luther King. They know what God's voice sounds like, and so they can be brave enough to follow God even when all sorts of other voices around them are telling them mean or ludicrous or tempting things. When everyone else says they are not good enough or they are endangering their church or their country, when everyone else says they are being selfish or stupid, that they can't hope to change anything, they listen for the voice of God. The voice that said, I give my sheep eternal life, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That said, you are my child, whom I love. That said, I will grasp your hand and guard you. Gene Robinson told a few of us one summer about the exercise that his spiritual director gave him when he was elected as the Bishop of New Hampshire, the first out-gay bishop of the Episcopal Church, and the hate mail started to come in. His spiritual director told him, each day before he did anything else, to imagine God's love flowing down from his head over his body and he does this every morning now as part of his morning prayers. As how his spiritual engineer inside him helped him to strengthen his voice recognition skills. Reduce noise, try to listen, remember the direct connection, and then practice living by it. And so he is able to remember that no matter what anyone else says or what it feels like, he is God's beloved child. He knows the shepherd's voice and he follows it because he has practiced picking out that one voice from among the noisy crowd. It does not take a majority vote to hear the voice of God. It can take as little as one person. After all, Desmond Tutu was fond of saying one person and God constitute a majority. Had Jesus been the only one to hear God say, This is my Son, my dearly love, I find happiness in Him. It would not have made the voice any less God's, or the message any less true. What it might have done is limited the reach of the message quite a lot. And from Isaiah to Matthew to Acts to Corinthians, God is pretty clear in Scripture that these kinds of voices and visions are not there just for the comfort of one person. 
Peter could tell that the voice was of God, but he was still bewildered and brooding over it, until the Spirit said, Go downstairs and listen to the visitors who have just arrived. God had spoken to a Gentile named Cornelius and told him to send for Peter. God had spoken to Peter and told him not to call anyone unclean. Each of them had correctly identified the voice of God. But until they acted on that voice, until they let themselves be sent to each other, until each of those messages came into the community to be put together, Peter was not yet ready to say, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality. And to have Cornelius' whole Gentile household baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Even after this powerful experience, we learn from Paul's letters to the Galatians that Peter tended to slide back into his comfort zone and away from the challenging message of inclusion that God had spoken to him. It took the presence of an unexpected community repeatedly sharing what God had spoken to them as well. For the message to take hold deeply enough with enough people that it changed the world forever. The voice of God is seen and heard and represented more fully. The more fully the community is gathered to show God forth. Not just the community of a particular church or even of the church, but the whole community of all God's people. My invitation to you today, as we pause here in the midst of the chaos around us, is to spend some time this week and this year training your ear. Most people don't ever hear God's voice in the same way that Peter or Jesus did, with a literal voice from heaven. But we can all learn to recognize God's voice in subtler ways. Spend time in prayer listening. If you aren't sure how to begin, you might talk to one of your clergy or check out the contemplative prayer gatherings here on occasion. And spend time in prayer with scripture. Let the stories of God's voice throughout time wash over you, sink into you, teach you. Listen for the broader themes. Go find them for yourself. And if you find parts where God doesn't sound like you think God ought to sound, bring them back to the community. Ask others how they hear those pieces. Listen to how God is speaking to the others around you. Ask your Jewish or Muslim or Baha'i friends how they hear God's voice in these stories, or in what other stories and moments they find the voice of God. The voice of God is a powerfully loving voice. May we, like Peter, keep learning how to hear it and love it and follow its lead. And may we together, like Peter with Cornelius and Paul, find that it then changes the world. Amen.